Well, good morning. The uh, Wyoming weather is sometimes a little bit maybe misleading. And I remember in the winter of 1998, we were traveling to Casper, and uh, we had one baby at that time. So that was McAllen. He's now going to be 22. And uh, so we were travel al- traveling along on our Ford Taurus, and and about 50 miles short of Casper, which puts you out in the middle of pretty much nowhere, um, we got a flat tire. And so here we are, baby in the back, and uh, we're, we're, we're stuck. And so I go get the, the, the spare from the back. And as you would guess it, the spare is what? It's flat. What do you do when you have a young baby and uh, actually a pregnant wife? That was McCade. He was in the hopper. Um, and you are, and you are 50 miles from Casper and 50 miles from anywhere else. And uh, we recognize that some of those situations, Wyoming doesn't lead us into green pastures all the time. Sometimes things are difficult. If I asked you to to define the word hospitality, you might give me a definition that is something to do with the food industry or possibly the lodging industry, because a lot of times we hear that word hospitality. If we were to look at hospitality in the terms of what the the Bible actually mentions it to be, um, it's it's something different. And as we are building our blocks, the block of hospitality is an important block because it is a block that leads to transformed lives. And if you, were, if you were a navigator or ever, ever studied anything with navigators, you'll run into this thing called the wheel. And the wheel is the obedient Christian in action. And so it's got four spokes, and at the center is Christ. And on the outside ring, it's the obedient Christian who is in action, not just sitting in the sidelines, not just showing up once every one hour a week or whatever. And those spokes are made up of of four different things. The vertical spokes, which we've already talked about as being one of our foundational stones, are the word and prayer. And those are vertically how God communicates with us and how we have a relationship with him. But there's also horizontal spokes. And those horizontal spokes, on one end, are our fellowship, which is with other believers and how we as a family are, are God's kingdom, and not only that, but we're also his family. And then there's another spoke that is our witness to those who don't know yet, don't yet know Christ. And so those horizontal spokes, really, if you think about it, either you're going to interface with people who, who know Christ and they're your family, or you're going to have a relationship with someone who may not yet know Christ, and those are horizontal things. Hospitality is on the horizontal spoke. It's on the horizontal spoke. This is why it's important. It's important not only for believers and our fellowship, but it's also important as we are on display to a world that doesn't yet know God and who he is and maybe Christ. If you were to look at the word hospitality, you would see immediately that the word hospitality actually has in it, uh, it's actually just one Greek word, and it means stranger lover. Stranger lover. So if someone's familiar to you, that wouldn't be a hospitality situation because you know them already. But if they don't know, if you don't know them, then that falls into a hospitality situation. If they're a believer, that's fellowship. If they're not a believer, then that's what? That's 
witness in the hospitality sake. So we, do, we, hospi- we, are, we are hospitable to both believer and unbeliever. Romans 12 uh, gives us an insight into this. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. And again, it means loving strangers. A stranger lover. So, and you've met people who, who are very, they very easily get to know other people. And they, they kind of have a, just a natural ability to kind of get to know them and to find out what they're about and, and that sort of thing. And that would be someone who's friendly. Someone who is hospitable is someone who not only is friendly with them, but can meet their needs, that other person's needs. They have an ability to kind of read into the situation or they have an ability to get to know the person pretty quickly to know that there's some needs that can be met. And practicing hospitality, as Paul writes us here, is part of one of the stones that helps build a transformational church. As we practice hospitality, it will change our world, not just our church, but our world as well. Friday morning, we have a, a great study. We're going through Genesis right now. And as uh, we've traveled through Genesis, we went through Genesis 18, uh, not too far ago, uh, far back ago. And Genesis 18 really kind of depicts this hospitality situation pretty clearly. It's all about Abraham and his wife as they are uh, really waiting on the Lord. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to the tent, of, uh, to the tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he turned from the entrance of his tent to meet them, and he bowed low to the ground. He said, If I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go on your way. Now that you have come to, come to your servant... Very well, they answered, do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three seas of finest flour and knead and, 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 and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared, set these before them, and while they ate, he stood near them under a tree." We see this passage, and you, you think to yourself, what was Abraham thinking? He saw these three people. He didn't know who they were. They were strangers to him. They are approaching him, and all of a sudden, he recognizes that these people have a need. They're, there's obviously, they may be hungry. They may be thirsty. And so he approaches them, and he has an eye for them. He has an eye to actually see them. The word mamre actually means vision. There's, there's some playing going on in here with the, the wording, and it really is kind of akin to saying that he had eyes for the stranger. He could see him. He could have just ignored them completely and thought, well, they have their own thing. Let them worry about their own problems. They're in the middle of nowhere, but that's their deal. And so we see this, and we, we see that Abraham saw a need, and not only that, but he met the need Hospitality can be defined as the quality or disposition of receiving and treating guests and strangers in a warm, friendly, 
and generous way. He rushed off to do this. He sent his servants off to do this. He went and ran to his wife, prepare this, I'm sure. I don't know if she was, she was excited about this situation or not, but they both together met and were hospitable to these three, three, these three guests. And as we went through this study, what are these three guests? Those of you who are on Friday morning study, what are they? <laughs> Jesus and two angels. We have some angelic beings here. We have this, this interplay between Abraham actually being hospitable, entertaining an angel. Is it possible that you've ever, ever entertained a, uh, an angel? Is it? Is it possible that an angel has ministered to you? Absolutely. Absolutely. We recognize that we are in this, this kind of kingdom that God allows us not, to only, not only to enjoy his presence, but also there are ministering angels about us. Hebrews 13.2 says this, Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without even knowing it. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as a faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Question for you. Why would you grumble at the opportunity to extend hospitality? Why would you grumble? Ah, it's inconvenient. Bill, you were thinking about something. I saw it on your face. Well, uh, you're thinking about yourself. So it's, it's like, okay, I would love to do that, but that doesn't really fit. Good catch, Bill. Okay, that doesn't really fit with what I was going to do. And so hospitality actually has, has kind of an other-centeredness to it. And that's why Peter says, do it without grumbling. If it, was, if it was always just pleasurable, you wouldn't have to say that. We see, spiritual, we see the spiritual side of hospitality. That's not just about lodging and meals and making money and profit. Hospitality in a Christian sense is truly our, our opportunity to meet the needs of people in special situations when maybe they couldn't do that themselves. Luke 10 through 25 through 29, um, Pastor Tri had brought this passage up a couple of times in our stone building process, and this is really the parable of the what as we read through it. I want you to go ahead and think about it. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Where does this passage go next? Into the what? The story of the Good Samaritan. So this man is, is trying to get to the bottom of how he can have eternal life. Jesus leads him down the road of what he, he establishes his medium of authority. He goes right to the law. Jesus says, well, what's it, what's it saying in the book? And the, and the guy repeats correctly. This is what it says. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And all of those things are great. The last one says, love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, now that one is not just theoretical. 
And it's not about theology, it's about practicality. And so as Jesus is leading him down this road, you can see as he asked this question, but he wanted to justify himself basically to kind of set him free. Uh, just like Chan says, it's, it's kind of a hassle. Bill says, because I think about myself more. And what he's saying here is this, and who is my neighbor? This man is really trying to take this, this command to love one another and to put it over here so he doesn't have to actually do it. So Jesus goes into a story about who is your neighbor, and he talks about the Samaritan, this man traveling, and who would actually help someone who is in need, which is probably by the very best definition or example of hospitality I can think of. So he not only takes care of this person's needs, but he actually sets aside funds to make sure that this person is taken care of as he goes about on his way. That is spiritual hospitality which at the heart of the word has hospital built right into it. And if you think about it, this man was, was, was in need of some medical because he's been beaten up. You really just see this whole thing come about where Jesus is saying to this man, the way that you love, the way that you actually do this command right here is through hospitality. How do we, how do we love other people? Through hospitality. Whether they're an unbeliever or whether they're a believer, we love them through hospitality, and we use our gifts. This is where I think it's very, very clear. If you look at some of the, the passages that talk about our spiritual gifts, how many of you actually, I want, to raise, want you to raise your hand, you know what your spiritual gifts are, your top two spiritual gifts. Raise your hand if you know your top two spiritual gifts. Okay, some of you are thinking, I don't know what my spiritual gifts are, and I don't know what my top spiritual gifts are, but you might be, for example, Teaching might be one of your spiritual gifts. Mercy might be a spiritual gift. The gift of encouragement might be a spiritual gift. The gift of helps is a spiritual gift. They're gifts that are talked about in the Bible that people possess because the Holy Spirit has actually empowered them to do those things especially good. And if you think of the, the, the ministry of hospitality, you realize that some of those gifts that are talked about in Ephesians 4 and Romans 12 are mercy gifts. They're gifts of encouragement. They're gifts that allow us to perform things for others that would meet their needs, much like in the story of the Good Samaritan. So this is where our gifts and how the Holy Spirit empowers us crosses over with the great command, which is to love our neighbor as ourself be it a pre-Christian or someone who's already a believer. John writes about this, and John is the apostle of what? Biggest gift, 1 Corinthians 13. What's the topic? He's the apostle of love. He even calls him, he's just, he is the apostle of love. 1 John 3.18, and 1 John, he says, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. What's he saying? What's he saying? Okay, don't just talk about it. <laughs> Jody moves. Good catch. He knows. Not so good. Don't just talk about it. If, there's a, if there is someone who is in need at the side of the road, we are to extend ourselves. Love is not just something that we read about as a command. It's something that we do as we serve one another using our various gifts, our resources, our talents, time, and treasure. 3 John 1, one of the shortest, it is actually the shortest book in the Bible. 3 John is a book written by the apostle, of, the apostle of love, and he's writing in the context, it's kind of, it doesn't give you a context, but the context is this. John is kind of almost like a bishop. He's an overseer of some churches, and we have a couple of different 
uh, what we think would be pastors. One of us in diatrophies, he's the bad guy in the play. And, and we have Gaius, who's the good guy in the play. And they're both pastors. And Gaius is one who has extended hospitality and has met the need of traveling missionaries. And Diotrephes is actually completely against them and has been blocking the church from actually doing anything for these traveling missionaries. And we see John writing a letter to Gaius, the good pastor who has not only had his church support these people, but he himself support them. And let's see what he has to say about hospitality. The elder to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth, dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you even as your soul is getting along well. It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. So he's talking about truth up here. And listen to what he says next. Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. Please send them on their way in a manner that honors God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought, therefore, to show hospitality to such people so that they may work together for the truth. And what we see is, as we see John commending Gaius, not only for, for reaching out to these people, but actually kind of supporting them in, in their way. And what we have is traveling uh, missionaries who are going about, and they have no means to support themselves. But when they come to Gaius' church, what happens? They are met with open arms. People are having them over for, for meals. They're, they're meeting their needs, probably uh, physical as well as financial needs. And what we see is a commendation from John to Gaius for being hospitable, showing and demonstrating in, love, in action the love that they needed. And so we see not only this truth, we talked about truth in the church, which is very important. We have stones that we've been building on, and much of that is built on the cornerstone of truth that we have. But we also have this expression of love, which hospitality is just sort of this example of it. So what is Christian hospitality? Christian hospitality is different than general hospitality. I want you to walk out of here knowing when you see the word hospitality, there are different definitions of hospitality. It is not the same. So you have someone over for dinner. Is it hospitality or not? I like that answer, but I need more. Not necessarily, Austin says. Depends on the heart, first off. Yeah, is it obligation? Are, am I going to rub your back so that you rub mine back? Is that a possibility? What else? Ah, is it about business? Yeah, that's kind of what that's about, isn't it? Hospitality has to be to a what? A stranger. So is it wrong to have people who you know over for supper? No, it's just not strictly hospitality in the way that is talked about in the Bible, whenever it's talked about, it's stranger lover. Now, we are to love each other as well. And we can, and as we are stranger lovers, we love believers and we, we love unbelievers. Both of those are hospitality. It's Christian hospitality. It is, that's the mindset. But just to kind of clarify that a little bit, just having people over for dinner isn't really what they're talking about here. It depends on the heart, the mindset, and kind of do I know this person or not? Because it's a lot harder to have someone over who you don't know than someone maybe who you know. 
And we all know that. It's actually hard to get them to come over usually. But if they are in need, that is usually just exactly what they need. When we, we first began this church, one of the main things that we wanted to do was, because and if this is a good thing, it, one of the questions I often get as I'm working at the hospital, are you from Sheridan? That's the question they ask a lot of times. Are you from Sheridan? Then I explain, well, we've been here for 23 years. And that's an important question because it kind of gives people an idea of, are you from this area? But the reality is, is back then we weren't from Sheridan. And we knew a lot of people who weren't from Sheridan. And it was very difficult to get to know people who were what? From Sheridan. Because they already had friends of their own. Nothing against them. They just, that's just how it was. But how important is it when you just move into a, to a new area and you are trying to re- establish relationships to have people who are stranger lovers amongst you? And I can have people raise their hand. I can, see, I can see people shaking their head right now. Yep, yep, yep. I've had several people in small groups say, boy, we just feel like we've been, we've been welcomed with open arms to this church. That's hospitality church. We're doing it. We're doing this. We, we, we are practicing hospitality. We continue to do that. It's part of what the church does as a transformational church. It changes lives that way. And many lives have been changed. As people have come into this family, and no longer are they strangers, they become part of the family and they start growing. And we can then sharpen one another, encourage one another, do all the one another verses that are outlined. Christian hospitality demonstrates maturity. Look what it says in this letter, 1 John, that we just read. It says, Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. How did John know that Gaius' soul was getting along well? How did he know his spiritual life was healthy? He was practicing hospitality, and I'm sure he had other signs as well, but it's a, it's a sign that our spiritual lives are, are in track, that we're, that we're growing, that we have an other-centeredness that we can reach out to other people with, and that's important. And just to, to clarify, are we to be in fellowship? Absolutely. Are we to practice hospitality? Yes. Do they happen together sometimes? Yes. Fellowship is when, we're going, when we are belonging to a family and we have interactions with those people who other people, just like in Acts 2.42, they said they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer, to spending time together. Uh, that word koinonia, which is fellowship, occurs 20 times. It's over and over. It has to do with communing together and being together. And those one another passages that you see so much, be devoted to one another, to encourage one another, that's fellowship. But hospitality... Is that's reaching outside yourself and saying, I don't know you, but I sure would like to get to know you. And from there, we've, we find out whether that person belongs to Christ or not. And then there's things that we have in our lives that we can pray about. The ministry of reconciliation often starts with the ministry of hospitality. And I am not against street preachers or evangelists. I think there's a place for that. I think there's a proclamation of truth is there. But I would, I would bet on the effectiveness scale, and if you were to look at Jesus' life, you would see a lot more of his hospitality preceding 
the, his preaching of the truth and calling people, even in his own disciples' lives, you can see that as he reached out to them and got to know them first. So this reconciliation process is what God has called us to. In 2 Corinthians, it talks about this. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was, was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. See, there are a lot of people out there who don't know Christ. And so part of our, our purpose for being on planet Earth is, as believers is to be God's, to put God on display and to allow other people to come to know him. And we are, we are really just agents of his reconciliation. We are ambassadors to, to spread the message of, of the good news that, that people don't need to live in their sin. That people don't need to be weighted down by that. That's our message. And so reconciliation happens usually a lot of times after hospitality. So you have someone over. Uh, you may just meet them at Walmart or you meet them somewhere else. First you have them over and then you get to know them and then you realize there's a spiritual interest and pretty soon they go to rock the house or they go to some kind of event we have or they go to this group or that group or they come up to church and pretty soon you can see their lives growing. And I could name 10 people right now who are sitting here who I've seen this happen. In the process of just getting to know people, they were drawn to God. By getting to know his people, they are drawn to God. Why? Because we're on display. And through hospitality, we are able to actually display God's love to people using gifts, using our resources, using our time, obviously talent. I'm going to skip that one. Mark 2, 16 through 17. When the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw him eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Okay, now, are these guys strangers to Jesus or not? For now they are. They're tax collectors, right? He's not really in that realm. That's not who he is. He's you know, more like a carpenter. That's kind of where he comes from. So you can kind of see these, are, these aren't people that he normally hangs around. On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous but sinners. And so as we're reaching out, we're going to find all kinds of different people who, who we may extend hospitality to. And this may look like, hospitality may look like an invitation to, a, to playing hockey on your knees. Why would that be hospitality? Well, it allows a person to come to, to have fun with other people, to get to know people, to spend time with people. And all it is is an invitation to an event. Is it hospitality or not? Yeah, it's an extending something to someone who may, you maybe you don't know. Maybe you know them a little bit, but you don't know them necessarily in detail. One of the key things that the non-Christians see us as is this. So we need to be on guard on this. They see us as judgmental. You're a Christian, you're what? Kind of narrow-minded and judgmental. And you, don't, you may not be that way. That may not be your thing. But, but we've kind of got that bad rap that maybe we deserve, that we need to just make sure that we, we see that as we're reaching out to people. We were all sinners. Raise your hand if you never sinned before you were a Christian. Good, because if you raise your hand, we have to have a long conversation. <laughs> that would be a, awkward at first. But secondly, 
we, all, we were all in the same place as the people who we are reconciling, helping to reconcile to God. And we just need to remember who we were as sinners. Um, and we need to represent God as his hands and his feet and to put him on display. This may not be uh, apparent to you, but I think what Bill said is really true. Hospitality is disruptive. How so? How is it disruptive? Okay, Mike Tibbet. Uh, I'm not going to later. I'll catch you later. It's unscheduled, okay? Because I'd hit Jeff or somebody. It's unscheduled. What do you mean? Ah. Ah. I wasn't expecting it, okay? But it's there. And you realize, wow, this is, this is an event that God has actually predetermined in most cases. Like, okay, here it is. This is an opportunity for us to reach out. And so it's unscheduled. Is that disruptive to a schedule? Yes, it is. Absolutely. And so, again, that is one of those things we recognize. To love like the Good Samaritan story is going to be a little bit disruptive because that person was going somewhere when he came upon that situation. It may be this. It may mean that we're going we're gonna to reach out to the person who's wanting some help and they call. It could, could be us reaching out to the person who's sitting alone. Have you ever seen someone kind of sitting alone? Maybe it's, at a, maybe it's at some sort of a conference or maybe it's at church and they're kind of sitting alone and, and if, you, if you come to the second service, I promise you, you will, you will more likely find some people who are sitting alone. And boy, if you want a mission... Come to the second service. We have a, a bunch of new people who are, that by definition means what word to you? It starts with an S. Strangers. They're strangers that you don't quite yet know. But that would be an awesome ministry for you to actually go, I am going to reach out in my own church in the warmth of a very nice sanctuary. And my mission is this, to get to know some people who I don't know now, but a year from now, we could be best friends. And not only that, there may be some spiritual discipleship that occurs, as Pastor Tri talks about today. There's going to be a discipling process just by getting to know them that occurs, and that's a really cool thing. Or it could be a young couple sitting at the side of the road with a flat tire, and you realize that was not on the person's schedule who helped us. And many of you know this, but as we were sitting there, and I was thinking to myself, you're an idiot because you didn't check the spare tire. And now you have, you know, not only the pregnant wife and, you know, the half-a-year-old son sitting in a car seat, freezing. So this couple comes driving along old pickup truck, kind of looked like a hillbilly's kind of situation because you could just tell it was a work truck. That's what it was. Pulled over. And you're, when you're on the side of the road, you're hoping to have people pull over, but, but not everyone, Right? But not, not, not just anyone. You, you want the right person to come along. So we're sitting there, and, and here this person comes up, and he's a little um, past middle age, and, and his wife's there. And I could kind of tell, and I could, LaDonna was getting vibes too, because of course she's a pregnant wife and all that. I'm trying to measure this situation out, because someone has to go get this tire fixed, and it's a pickup, and it's not going to fit. It's not a quad cab, okay? So it's just a, just a pickup kind of a thing. So... And I know you're going to probably throw tomatoes, but guess who stays with the car and sends his wife, pregnant wife, and a young child into Casper with two strangers? Yes. Okay. 
<laughs> and God is good. <laughs> he redeems us. <laughs> Thinking back, I should have rode in the back of the pickup. I should have just bucked up and did it, but I didn't do it. So really nice couple, and you could just tell, went in, fixed the tire, brought my family back, and, uh, and helped me put the tire back on. And whoa, I was just thinking, thank you so much, Jesus, for sending that person and that person's wife. And uh, what a neat, neat thing to go. They were, we were strangers to them, but they pulled over out of their schedule, which wasn't convenient, and not only did they help us, but they drove to Casper and then drove back again and then went on to Casper because that's where they were going. And then you realize, could they be angels? Could they be angels? Wow. Hospitality is one of the most transformational gifts because everyone has a story just like I just told. Every one of you could tell a story like, whoa, I was in this situation and someone reached out and helped me, took me from the, from the guardrail or took me from whatever it was. And that's a transformational thing that happens when we are hospitable, when we take the time to extend ourselves beyond who we know and outside of that comfort zone to reach out to other people. Very, very powerful once upon a time, there was an old man who used to go to the ocean to do his writing. He had a habit of walking on the beach every morning before he began his work. And early one morning, he was walking along the shore after a big storm had passed and found the vast beach littered with starfish as far as the eye could see, stretching in both directions. Well, off in the distance, the old man noticed a small boy approaching and as that boy walked, he paused every so often. And as he grew closer, the man could see that he was occasionally bending down to pick up an object and throw it into the sea. The boy came closer still, and the man called out, Good morning. May I ask what it is that you were doing? Well, the young boy paused, looked up, and replied, Throwing starfish into the ocean. The tide has washed them up onto the beach, and they can't return to the sea by themselves. The youth replied, when the sun gets high, they will die unless I throw them back into the water. The old man replied, but there must be tens of thousands of starfish on the beach. I'm afraid you won't really be able to make much of a difference. The boy bent down, picked up yet another starfish and threw it as far as he could into the ocean. Then he turned, smiled and said, it made a difference to that one. It made a difference to that one. Each one of our acts of kindness, whether they are predetermined in our schedule or whether we take time out of our schedule, will have an effect on people that we don't yet know. Do you have a desire to have an eye for strangers? Do you want to actually have an eye? Do you want to actually be thinking when you get, get up in the morning, I'm going to be on the lookout for someone who has a need. Do you have a willingness to support and help a brother or sister? This is someone who you already know who's in Christ, but maybe, maybe you know them, maybe you don't know them. That would be definitely the situation. Do you, do you have a willingness to support them? And do you have a heart to reach out to strangers and love and in truth and first loving them and obviously bringing them truth because that's the ultimate way to love someone is to help them to come to know the Savior? A spirit of reconciliation, a reconciliation to those who don't know Christ yet. 
and a vision to make a difference, one transformed life at a time. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you have given us this example of how we are to be, that we are not just to love you with our heart, soul, strength, and mind, but we are to love our neighbor as ourselves, and that means practicing hospitality. Sometimes it's people who we know. We come to church and we know are the people who are, have come to this church and who are our friends, and, and we have fellowship with them. But Father, there's also people here who we don't yet know, who, who have yet maybe to even come to know you. Some have, some haven't. Help us to have an eye for them, to be able to see their needs, to be able to, to meet those needs, to be able to be you on display for them so that they might know your goodness and your kindness, that we might dis- dispense grace, that we would be merciful and that we would allow them to see not only that you love them, but that you have good plans for them. Father, thank you for your son who was the ultimate example of hospitality, how he would meet with anyone. It didn't matter what caste system or where they were in society, whether it was a woman at a well in Samaria or whether it was a tax collector in the heart of Jerusalem, that we would reach out to anyone who has a desire to, to receive your kind of love. Thank you for the opportunity to serve you, to be your hands and feet. We thank you for these things, and it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.